Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we enter into your holy presence. We ask that the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth might be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, my time is growing short. I've become very aware of that. I've been with you way too little time, only two years. And in many ways, it's been like a blink of an eye. But in other ways, with COVID, yeah, it seems like it's been a lifetime. A lifetime of learning. Learning about ourselves, learning about where God is when we can't gather the way we think we should gather. We've been learning things about our faith, about our community, and about how God works in the midst of global pandemics. I've become friends with many of you, deep, abiding friends. We've shared good times together. We've shared some rough times together. There are so many things that I still have left to say to you, and in the next few weeks, I will be sharing that with you. There are so many things I still want to learn with you, like the use of wonderful technology that is in this room. But I pass that off to the next one who will come, and he is poised and ready and good and faithful, and he will lead you into the next new season. Still, my time is short. And so we are at the end of Eastertide. This is the season right after Easter in which the lectionary gives us a series of stories about Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and Jesus, the Christ, who was alive and taught about the resurrection long before we had an experience of the resurrection. And so today... As we learn our final lesson on how to live a life of resurrection, we do so by listening to Jesus' prayer. This is the longest prayer in the Bible. Jesus is with his disciples, these people that he's been with for about three years. His time wasn't much longer than my time with you, with them. And in that time, he called them by name. He challenged them. He gave them a new way of looking at the world. He found them in the world, but then he drew them out of the world and set them apart from the world for the work that would succeed him, that would go on beyond him. And so he has been with them. They have shown, they have have shared together many times. They've been scared together. They have been lonely. They've been confused. They've been exhilarated. They've laughed together. They've cried together. They've watched amazing things together. Jesus has healed people that they didn't think could be healed. Jesus has taken them into places that they before would not have ever gone. And yet, his time is drawing near. Jesus has come to complete a mission, a mission to reveal the God, the God that loves us, the great I am, the God incarnate, the one who walks and is with us. And that mission is nearly fulfilled. And he is turning over to a group of people that he has selected, and yet he has made them distinctly different from the rest of the world. He pulls them together, and then he 
prays for them. In John 17, Jesus prays the longest prayer in the Bible. It starts with a prayer for himself and all the things that God has done to glorify God through him. And then it moves into a prayer for his followers to be sustained and uplifted. And then it moves into a prayer for the future followers. So this morning, as I read the scripture, because we are not on the screens, I want us to imagine God walking among us. I want us to imagine Jesus praying this prayer over us, walking through the aisles and placing a hand on your shoulder, placing a hand on your arm, or looking you in the eyes as God says, as Jesus says these, these words, praying for each one of us. It's found in John 17. I'm going to pick up with verse 6. Listen now. O oh God, I have made your name known to the people of First United Methodist Church in Decatur. And you have given me them from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from, me, is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and they know in truth that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. And I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy that makes them complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from evil. They do not belong to this world, just as I do not belong to this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so now I send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Thanks be to God for the reading of and the hearing of this, his holy word. Amen. So I like to quilt. 
One of the things I like about quilting is that it surprises me. It's not as straightforward as it might seem. It's not a matter of cutting out shapes and then sewing them together. In fact, sometimes you cut out different shapes and cut them into the shapes you desire. But what it requires is that you work in small spaces and then add to those small spaces to make the greater picture. So you work in the detail to see what is in the, in the full picture as it's revealed to you. And one of the things that I've learned is that you take whatever square you have and, and you put it up with another square and another square and another square until you have a whole beautiful quilt. But if you turn those squares just half a degree, if you turn them on the triangle, they look different. If you turn them halfway around or 90 degrees around, they make different shapes. They come together sometimes in a star, sometimes in a star burst. No matter how you turn the squares, defines how that, how that quilt ends up being. One of the things I learned from my mentors in quilting was that where thou soweth, thou also rippeth. <laughs> because I promise you there are times when I don't put those squares together so right. When I think about this prayer that Jesus had, I am, I am aware of how obscure it is, how in the details, in the minutia of it, we often cannot see the whole picture. It's like a lifelong study of learning how to sew together and rip apart, look in and understand the nuances. We cannot possibly examine all of those today. So today, I'd like us to to take a look at one line in this prayer that stood out to me as I prayed this throughout the week. Jesus says, Holy Father, protect them. Protect you and me. Jesus wants God to step in and protect us. Why? So that we may be one, as Jesus is one with God. This oneness, this unity, caught my attention this week. You know, we've been in a time in our world in which in many ways we have wondered what exactly it means to be one, to be in unity with one another. There are times in our world when, especially with this global pandemic, when we feel very much a one with people that we do not know. It is a single virus that has 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 taken us all by surprise, and in that way, we feel a sense of unity. And oh, how we have pulled together to fight that virus. And then there are other parts of our world in which we have come together, crashing together, when we don't begin to understand what it means to be one or to be in unity with one another. Everything seems to be questioned. Our community and the way we are in our communities seems to be under question. Our religious circles seem to be under question. Our faith seems to be questioned and challenged during these last few months. You add the denominational questions that we have been listening to in those conversations. They've been somewhat different over the last uh, 12 months, and yet they continue to challenge us to think about what does it mean to be united as one with God and with one another. And so I took a look at the prayer. This is what I want to offer this morning. Jesus says, God, make them one with each other 
and with us, as I am one with you. Jesus is a part of this triune God, this three persons in one God, different, distinct, holy, but one essence. And so when we think about us being one, we must think about our differences as well as our common essence. That's what we lean into. Who are we? It doesn't mean that our individuality is lost. In fact, our differences is exactly what makes us who God created us to be. But we do have to acknowledge that we need one another. You see, Paul puts it this way. There's one body, one body in Christ, but there's many members of it, just like our human body. And just as Paul challenges us, we have to acknowledge that we need all the parts of that body. Paul says it this way. He says, the hand cannot say to the eye that because I'm not an eye, I do not matter. Because the hand needs the eye to help direct them. But the eye also needs the hand to gather in what they need to gather in. So we work together. We are incomplete without all of us. One thing we learned this week as we were working on this new technology system is how all the many, many parts, it's more parts than we were probably suspecting, and how they come together in a single product. Everyone is important. We learned how to set the sound for online, and it's a different set of sound settings for in this room. We learned that there's a different set of cameras that cast an image online, a different set of lyrics that go on the slides differently at the bottom rather than covering up the whole slide, different from what we will see in, the, in this space next week. And what we also learned is that we needed you too. As we went live to practice it, to test it, we asked you to join us, tell us, give us feedback, and you did so. You told us when you could hear, when we needed to turn it up, when we needed to slow down the camera zoom so that you didn't get sick watching us go from one side to the other too fast. We learned that all of us, all of us are necessary for this product. All of you are necessary for this worship every single week. This essence means that we don't always agree, though. We sometimes are going to come in conflict with one another because that's the way God created us, unique and individual. And so I'm reminded of what a friend shared with me once. She said, it's like a family, a healthy family who disagrees from time to time. They get in arguments. They can even have it out. But they'll all get in the car to go to church or go to dinner, right? We're all in it together. That's what makes us one. We are in this together. And, God, and Jesus says, I give you back to God. Jesus had been with his disciples, and now he gives us back to God's care. Why? To give us purpose. To empower us. And to make us one with Jesus, and one with God, and one with others. He calls us also to stand by one another. In this past year, I recall that there were times when I was discouraged, discouraged in isolation like all of us, and wondered if, uh, if I could even finish this call to ministry. And it was almost at that time when one of you sent me a text, or an email, or a phone call, 
And you just bolstered me. You just shored me up so that I could take that next step. And when I'm writing my sermon late at night after a busy week, late on Saturday night after a very busy week, and I haven't had much time to work on it, I find my husband, Kelly, stays up with me way past bedtime, way into the early hours, just to be a simple presence with me of moral support. I also suspect that's when he watches the TV programs that I don't like to watch, and that's okay. And when some of us have been in the hospital, it has been your prayers, it's been your texts, it's been your calls that have helped them to get through those very long nights in the hospital or those uncertain days. This last week, we went to a funeral of a good friend of ours in uh, Carrollton, a longtime friend, and his wife said that that was exactly what has gotten her through these last few weeks. After he died unexpectedly, it was the phone calls and the texts and the Facebook posts and the messages that got her through. And then she said, I'm really hoping that Will is able to get into Facebook in heaven and see all of that. You see, that's how we do community. That's how we rally around one another. That's how we are one. Jesus prays that his followers will be united and that they will stand together for a common mission. This week, many people have called me and asked me what I might understand about the denomination. It seems to be on their, on their mind. And I didn't have good answers for them. I don't know what's going to happen in our denomination. Only God knows. And I think that's the point. You see, I love my United Methodist Church. I love my Wesleyan theology. And I love our history and our roots and the stories of John Wesley and all the circuit writers under which I pattern my own ministry. But I love Jesus more. And this I know. No matter what happens, God is there. God is already there, one with us. One with us. And God is asking us to be one with one another to be kind, to be compassionate, to shore up one another, to be a community in a single spirit. A community, Jesus says, that is not a part of this world, but is set apart from this world. And that's going to be a hard place to be. We already know that. We've taken a few hits this last year. It's not easy to be set apart. But here's what I know. The world notices it. The world notices it because they're broken and they're hurting. And when we are one in love and compassion and kindness and goodness, they want to be with us. They want to take refuge from their broken lives. They want to be healed. They want to come to a safe place where they can meet this incarnate God that prays for them. God claims us. God calls us his own. Jesus, make us yours. We are yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.